Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. I absolutely adore my Seacoast family here. Um, It's been a great time of getting to know you guys. And I just want to say during first service, it was crazy how supportive they were. Like, I don't think I'd be able to do this if it wasn't for you guys, like, giving me high fives and stuff and, you know, really being encouraging afterwards. So I just want to say thank you. This is a huge opportunity for me. Um, So if you don't know who I am, um, again, my name's Doug, and I have two boys, okay? Uh, Dougie the third. Some people call him DG3. And then my other son... (laughs) Uh, my other son, Aiden, um, who is going to be six months old in a week. And, uh, and then, of course, my beautiful wife, Christy, who is here today. And so if I were to say something to you, a particular word, uh, I would kind of get two responses. All right? And that word is CrossFit. All right? Two different responses. If I were to say that to you today, one, if you're into it, you would say, oh, yeah, hey, you know my workout times? And we would go back and forth for about 15, 20 minutes about all the different things that go along with CrossFit. All right? We would probably successfully alienate everybody else from the conversation, but we would have a great time. Okay? Second response would be a lot of eye-rolling because you're one of those people who got alienated, and when two or more CrossFitters are gathered together, they're obnoxious. <laughs> now, <laughs> so if you don't know what CrossFit is, it's kind of like a team-based, um, group-based, community-based form of fitness that's like total body fitness kind of thing. Now, six or seven years ago, if I were to use that word or that term, most of us, if not all of us, would have no idea what that is, right? But during that time, uh, six years ago or so, I was at the gym with my dad, and we were working out and doing our thing, and um, a trainer comes up to my dad and says, hey, I'm doing this new thing, all right? It's on Saturday. It's over the weekend. It's at the park. Now, little did we know that this was the humble beginnings of the first CrossFit thing here in Myrtle Beach, and so my dad uh, kind of stuck with it and went along with it and kind of became a part of the culture and then stopped going to the gym completely. And now he's actually a coach. Right? So he coaches on Fridays and does his thing. He's like sold out. Not only that, but my brother does it. And my brother does it like competitively. So he's really into it. I mean, that's just like his whole life. Uh, now, that being said, I did it for a little bit. I stress a little bit. Okay? Uh, what would happen is, is they had like this open day on Saturdays. So I would go, and then I would throw up, and then I would not come for a while, and then I'd go again, and I'd throw up again, and I decided, I don't want to throw up anymore. I am not going to do this. CrossFit is not for me. Now, if you were to look at my life right now, uh, if a guy came in a conversation with me and wanted to talk about CrossFit, I could go 15, 20 minutes and talk about it. I've experienced a little bit of it. I have family who's done it. I could kind of carry on an intelligent conversation about CrossFit. But if you look at my life for any length of time, you're going to know I am not a CrossFitter. All right? Let you in on a little secret. If I'm not here in this building or at my office, I am literally on my couch just burning through Netflix. That's my life. (laughs) Walking Dead, Friends, they don't stand a chance. I will watch every episode (laughs) until I die. (laughs) And that's the sum total of my life. And so what am I trying to drive at? Well, let's say tomorrow I decide, you know what? I'm going to do a CrossFit competition, the biggest and hardest one they have. I'm just going to do it. You know what would happen? 
I would die. <laughs> no, 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 I would die. Best case scenario, I curl up into a little ball of weakness and then throw up, but <laughs> I would more likely die. But here's the thing. There's a big difference between actually experiencing something, being able to talk intelligently about it, versus actually having it become who you are, right? Because when it becomes a part of who you are, then you're ready to be able to handle the challenges that come along with it. And so why do I mention that this morning? Because as we work through our scripture, we're going to see Paul give some advice to this young church that if you take this Christianity thing more than just who you are, you're going to be ready for the challenges that come along with it. And so we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done in each and every one of our lives. Thank you for the circumstances that have brought us here. We just ask, Lord, that you be a part of our time together. We make a big deal about Jesus. We want to keep making a big deal about Jesus. And we just ask that you um, bless our time together. Give me the gift of teaching. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, we are in Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Right, so you brought your Bibles, iPhones, flip them open, um, get there. It's going to be on the screen as well. Now, as we're working through this, uh, Tim kind of started the conversation last week. We're going to be going through the book of Philippians. And the Apostle Paul, he was a guy who got his life changed. He fell in love with Jesus. He said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go out there, tell everybody I can about Jesus, and plant churches. And so this letter is written to a small church in the city of Philippi. And the first part of the letter, as Tim talked about, was the importance of taking care of relationships, healthy relationships. You know, you write them letters, you tell them how thankful you are for them, and it makes a big deal about Jesus when you love people in that way. And so today, we're going to get a little more dialed in about what this letter is actually about. So let's start in verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I know that you will stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Without being frightened in any way those who oppo- by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here I still have. All right. So, pretty good-sized chunk of scripture here. Uh, I want to start in verse 27. It says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That word worthy in the Greek is axios. I did my homework, and I looked up the definition, and axios means equal in value. Equal in value. So Paul's saying, hey, guys, look, no matter what happens, live your life equal in value to the gospel of Christ. And so I want to ask and answer two questions here this morning. Number one, what should our lives look like if it's being lived in equal value to the gospel? And then secondly, What happens when we do? All right. So how many of you here, just by a show of hands, remember my buddy Sherman from the last time I preached? All right. Sherman the sheep. That's right. Sherman is a sheep. And for whatever reason, God had decided that, you know what? Uh, Human nature is a lot like sheep. And so sheep are used as examples for human nature all the time throughout Scripture. And this morning, uh, Sherman's going to go on a little adventure. Right? Sherman is tired of being defenseless. Sherman's like, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. So he decides he's going to enlist in Sheep Army. Okay? It's a thing. I looked it up. Sheep Army. So on basic training day, he shows up on the scene, and he says, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm into what's going on here, but I'm going to kind of do my own thing. 
Like, I'm going to listen. I'm going to pay attention to what you have to say. I'm going to learn the things that you want me to learn. I'm just not interested in kind of being, like, in the group. All right? You guys can be an army of one. I kind of just want to be a one-sheep army. All right? And so the crazy thing about that is that when it's go time, when it's, like, time to do the mission, I am going to be very worried about Sherman. See, the group that stayed together, they're going to be fine. Okay? They've trained together. They, they care for one another. They've struggled together. They have the same value system. And so when it's go time, they've got each other's back. They maybe even lay their life down for one another. But poor Sherman, he's got nobody. He's got nothing. And I think sometimes as Christians, we kind of, we get tempted to love the church just enough to get what we want out of it, but just not enough to get what we need. Now, I get it. It's tempting. So example of this would be like we show up on a Sunday morning and we kind of get our church on, you know, get a little worship going, kind of feel good about life. You know, me and Jesus are hanging out. But then as soon as the prayer's done, like, all right, guys, have a good morning. You were like, out the door. Don't want to talk to anybody. Don't want to have a conversation. And you just, just basically, this is what I do. I show up on a Sunday and then I'm out. Well, the problem is, is that we put up these walls these masks, these layers, we put these things over ourselves throughout the week to protect ourselves, and then we just carry that right into Sunday. And so basically, it's just walls up, keep smiling. Yes, life is good. Yes, life is good. Just get through this. Oh, my God, my face is so tired. Okay. And then finally, you get in your car, and you're like, oh, my God, I can finally be a mess again. Um, But see, when we do church like that, when we do church like that, we miss out on what Paul says in verse 27. He says, standing firm in one spirit, contending as one for the faith of the gospel. When we let down our walls, when we strip away those layers and those masks that we put on ourselves on Sundays, we actually start to unify, become one in one spirit. And the spirit he's talking about is the spirit of God. That when you become a Christian and you give your life to Christ, that God actually lives in you in the spirit. And when we join together as a community without walls, being really authentic with one another, that we actually become of one spirit in the spirit of God. So an example of this would be uh, my buddy Jay. He's here. You just saw him a few minutes ago. Uh, When I first met Jay, he was like, hey, man, let's go get some coffee. I was like, all right, let's do it. So I don't know if you guys know this, but in Christian relationships, you kind of get two ways you can go, all right? One way is, especially with guys, is you can just kind of have like this intellectual tennis match, we're just having a blast just talking about theology and, oh, man, like my, my spirit, I'm just feeling, you know, like Jesus is awesome and I really got to get over it. You know, you could just totally fake it, right? And that was a temptation because I'm pretty good at that. I could fake it if I needed to. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So when he said, how's things going in life? I decided just to be honest. I said, yeah, man, I'm struggling with this. This is what I got going on. And he said, all right, let me pray for you. And our relationship began to grow, but it grew through the reality of who I actually am. He wasn't dealing with my masks. He wasn't dealing with uh, the pretend me. He was dealing with me. And so when things got really hard or things got really messed up, I'd call Jay or text him and say, hey, man, I got this going on. And we'd always say, okay, give it 24 hours. Give it 24 hours, and we'll talk tomorrow. And sure enough, give it 24 hours. We would talk. We would pray, get through it. And uh, he would walk me through to the other side. It's a beautiful thing. You see, The church really begins to flourish when we begin to love one another for who we really are. 
and we begin to let people in on who we really are, the church explodes with life. Because then we can care for each other as if we're caring for ourselves. 1 John 4.16 says, And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. And this is the part. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in them. There's something very special that happens when we love each other the way we're supposed to, when we relate to one another the way God's asked us to relate to each other, God actually becomes a part of that. He then begins to minister to each other through each other. It's this crazy mystery that God does. And so the church becomes very important. And so if you're following along with your fill-ins, the first one is this. My life is equal in value to the gospel when I embrace God's community. My life is equal in value to the gospel when I embrace God's community. So again, Paul's concerned for this church and he's saying, look guys, there's a lot of people out there who don't like you. There's a lot of people out there who don't want this Christian thing to happen. And so if you live a life that is equal in value to the gospel, then I know you're gonna be okay. And living a life equal in value to the gospel starts by embracing God's community. So let's keep going. Let's go back to the scripture. Verse 27, the end of verse 27. Contending as one faith for the gospel into verse 28 without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. See, to be a Christian in the first century was not like it is today. There was no shortage of opportunity to face opposition. Because you have to remember, uh, that time, Caesar is Lord. Not just the guy, not just the president. Caesar is Lord, God. And so when you come into a culture where you're preaching the good news that uh, Jesus is Lord, that he's God come in human form, lived the perfect life, died, uh, died and rose again on the third day so that way he could bring peace and eternal life to anybody who would believe in him as long as you called him Lord. That is crazy town, okay? People are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The Christian church at this time was completely other than what the culture said they could be. And so every pagan establishment, every religious authority, every business owner, every person who had ever benefited from the system of Caesar being Lord is now aiming at the target on the back of every Christian. They're going to try to shut them down because you're coming after my livelihood. And so for us, we may face adversity, and it'll look a little different than that, but the principle remains the same. When we choose to follow Jesus, we could lose relationships. We could alienate family members. We could alienate our parents. When Jesus comes into our life and he causes us to kind of rethink our ethics, we could possibly lose a job. I mean, the struggle is real, as they say. Hashtag struggle is real. And so uh, as we look at this, we have to understand that uh, there's going to be opposition that comes. But, and this is your second fill and when we embrace God's community, we can be fearless. When we embrace God's community, we can be fearless. And what makes us fearless is that in God's community, we will always have the love and support we need to get through whatever comes our way. See, whether it's prayer, encouragement, a listening ear, maybe a physical need, maybe you're not going to have groceries this week. Whatever comes up, the church has been built, has been designed to be able to handle it. This is what we do. 
And so when God's community is embraced, it can bear the weight of any adversity. So if you're here this morning, all right, and you're working through some stuff, like you are stressed out, full of anxiety, you don't know where your next, pay- next paycheck's going to come from, you don't know where your next meal's going to come from, whatever it is that you've got going on, there's a relationship that is just eating you up inside. Whatever you've got going on, don't go another day. Don't go another day without embracing God's community and getting some people on your team. Letting God minister to you through his church. God's present in his community when we love each other. And so let's keep going. We're just burning this scripture. Here we go. Verse 28. Now this one, I was tempted to just kind of skip. I really wanted to skip it. I was like, ah, you know what? I don't want to preach on this. And Jesus was like, shut up. You're going to do it. I was like, okay, fine. I'll give it a shot. So here we go. Verse 28. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. Okay, that's pretty black and white. Someone's getting destroyed. Someone's getting saved. All right, what are you talking about here? Well, he says, when you are fearless in the face of opposition, it will be a sign to them that they'll be destroyed. One time I was looking at a video on YouTube. I was just trolling the internet as usual and came across this video on YouTube. All right, and it starts out, and there's four guys, and they've all, like, got their faces covered, and they've got helmets on with little GoPro cameras on them, and they're, like, talking to each other, whatever, and you're trying to figure out what's going on, and next thing you know, they break into a construction site, so they, like, scale the wall, and they go inside, and they go into this construction site that's actually this huge building, and so as you're watching, you can kind of see the sun, like, setting in the background, so they probably were, like, climbing this thing for 40 minutes. I mean, it was a long time. So they're going up and going up and going up and going up. Then they're standing at the top of this building, and they look over, and all you see is white. Okay, they're in a city, but all you see is white. Like, they're above the clouds and fog and whatever that is. I mean, that's how big this thing is. And then they look to the right, and to the right, there is this huge scaffolding with a crane on it. And the crane arm is sticking out off the side of the building over the city. And they proceed to climb up the scaffolding, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's insane. And then they climb out of the arm, like onto the end of the arm, over the city. And now if you guys don't know this about me, but at this point, I was having a full-blown anxiety attack. I'm like, the screen's this big. And I'm like, having, I'm like oh, my God, I'm gonna, I can't believe these people are doing this because I am deathly afraid of heights. Anybody else here deathly afraid of heights? Yeah. I mean, this stuff was banana sandwich. I was like, you guys are crazy. And so as I watched this, I realized something, and this is what I realized, is that when a person is completely free from a fear that you still struggle with, it is unnerving. It is like haunting. It is like, I want, who is this guy? Like, I need to know, like, what happened in your life to make you this way? Like, I just couldn't believe it. And so what we're seeing here is that when it says this is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, it's like... Everything in these people wanted to shut down these Christians, make them afraid. I will, I, will, I, will tell jo- I will tell mean things about you to the community. I will shut down your business. I'll put you in jail. I will torture you. I'll kill you if I have to. And when the Christian looks back at them and says, okay, I forgive you, whew, what does that do to a person? If you're trying to put fear into someone and they can't be touched, I'm going to have to start evaluating where my life's at. Like, wait a minute, you don't, you don't care if I take away your business? You don't care if I take away your life? What am I missing? And all of a sudden, light bulb goes on. 
And that's what this verse is talking about, that even when we're free from fear, we can free others. That when we're free from fear, we can free others. So let's keep going. Verse 29. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) Oh, man. Verse 29. It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Now, this verse probably won't ever be put on a coffee mug, all right? (laughs) I don't know about you guys. My default mode in my heart is not to get super excited about suffering, much less consider it a gift. I'm not like, oh, life sucks right now. It must be Christmas. No, (laughs) that is not how I feel. (laughs) I don't know about most. I mean, who here does not think suffering is a gift? I mean, right out of the gate, that's not how we are. But, uh, where am I? Lost my notes, hold on. Here we are. Uh, And yet here we are. Paul's telling this church and essentially telling us that to suffer as Christ did is a gift. Now, I'm not talking about self-induced suffering. I'm not talking about like slapping yourself around and being like, Jesus, you know, I love you. No, that would be weird. Um, The kind of suffering I'm talking about, it's the kind of suffering that comes along with When you say, you know what, no matter what happens in life, I will never stop letting God make me more like Jesus. When you say that, when you say that, suffering is going to come. I'll give you some examples. God may be calling you in your life to love some people that are incredibly difficult to love. Okay? Anybody here have that, that person in life that you are just all out of grace? Like, they are such a pain, and I'm like, I don't just, I just want to go in a hole when you walk in the room. I just want to die. I just can't do this. Can't do this with you right now. But maybe, maybe God's calling you to the type of suffering that says, you know what? No matter how difficult this person is, I'm going to refuse to stop letting God work through me to touch their life, whether it's difficult whether it's hard, I'm not going to let it have, I'm not going to let it shut me down. I'll keep loving them. I'll keep caring for them, even when it's hard. That'll make you more like Jesus, but you're going to suffer a bit. Definitely going to suffer a bit. Maybe you've got some sinful behaviors in your life. I don't know about you guys. I got some. We all do, I think. Um, maybe you've got some sinful behaviors in your life that are destructive to the people around you, or at the very least, destructive to yourself. Well, this is a big one because there is nothing harder than denying our own selves. Like, that is it. As far as what, what's hard in life, spiritually, one of the biggest things we will ever have to do is learn how to deny ourselves. But when we refuse to let the pain of dealing with our own sin stop God from making us more like Jesus, that's when something special can happen. But... It's going to hurt a little bit. We're going to suffer a little bit. We'll be more like Jesus in the end, but we're going to suffer. Now, here's my last one. Maybe you have some really bad physical circumstances. Got pain in your body. Maybe you're dealing with some sickness. Uh, Maybe a crisis has hit you and your family. When you refuse to let bitterness or unforgiveness enter into what God can do through you, he'll make you more like Jesus but you're going to suffer a bit. But here's the cool thing. God never 
asked you to suffer alone. God never asked you to suffer alone. So if you're tracking along with your fill-in, number three, uh, I wrote it differently than what was printed on the thing, so just scribble it out and write this. When we embrace God's community, we can endure suffering. When we embrace God's community, we can endure suffering. See, somehow in this great mystery of God's grace, when we join together in one spirit, when we love one another the way we should, God works through our church community and he brings love and healing and restoration and joy and peace even in the midst of great pain. Even in the midst of great suffering, God can work through this community to love one another and care for one another. And this idea, this is what made Paul an unbreakable man. I mean, just an unbreakable man. When he said a few verses earlier in verse 21, Paul wrote these words, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That could go on a coffee mug. To live is Christ and to die is gain. What Paul was getting at is saying, look, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I will never stop letting God make me like Christ. Never stop. And so no matter if I'm beaten, if I'm sick, if I'm healthy, if I'm imprisoned, if I'm free, if I get betrayed by friends, if I'm loved by many, if I'm gossiped about, if I'm unpopular, starving, full, poor, or rich, I will never stop making my life about Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says. He was an untouchable man. But what made him untouchable and what made him able to get through all of this was that God ministered to him through his church community. As he began to plant churches, as he began to make these little gospel-centered communities all over, they would send him money, they would send him food, they would send doctors to him, they would pray for him. Everything that he needed, everything, all of his support came from the community of God. That's why he was untouchable. And so maybe that's one of you guys here this morning. Maybe you guys are working through some pretty hard stuff. And you really need Jesus. You really need Jesus to just come inside and wreck all that stuff out and get you connected to God and his community. Maybe you're here this morning and you've kind of been doing the church thing, all right? You're like, you know what? I've, I've dabbled, okay? I'm, I, I've been around. I could speak intelligently about Christianity. But yet, maybe you really haven't learned how to embrace God's community yet. Now, when we do worship this morning, we're going to kind of do some different things here, okay? So worship team, y'all can get ready to come up here whenever you're ready. I'm going to kind of riff for a minute on something pretty important. See, when we begin to let down our walls, let down our masks, and begin to love one another the way God's called us to, there is nothing that can happen in this life that the church is not ready to handle. I remember talking with a friend of mine a few days ago, and we were talking about how you know, if I lost my job or, or this money thing doesn't work out, I'm going to be living on the street. And then all of a sudden he realizes, like, no, I'm not. Even if I lost everything, we have this. We have the church family. And so if you have a need this morning, we're going to have a little, uh, what I like to call a mask reveal party, a little layer breaking down party. And so as the worship kicks up, I'm going to go over, to, over there, my left, your right. 
Uh, that's where the prayer team's at. And if you've got anything going on in life at all, if you're struggling through some stuff, if you are, are doing this life alone and you're like, you know what, I need God's community, come over, let's pray together, let's get Jesus on this thing, and let's bring some healing in your life. Don't leave here this Sunday without experiencing the love of God through this community. And secondly, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, definitely come on over. <laughs> come see me. Let's get, let's get Jesus on your side, and let's get you back into the family. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.